Badlands. Explain those Badlands. That's a hell of a name. was born. The Agenda 21 conference was in reaction to this. What's up, everybody? Well, the Brian Abbey Live, episode 101 tonight. We are going to take a look at Senator Johnson's roundtable discussion on, on federal health agencies and the COVID cartel. Then we're going to take a look back at President Trump's, or in my opinion, underappreciated regulation massacre. And then we're going to take a look at Google's new and improved Gemini AI. And it should be an interesting one. <laughs> How you doing, babe? Very good. This sounds like fun. I have not caught up on any of that stuff with the AI, so I will be right along with you guys in chat watching and discovering what's the latest buzz about that. But doing great. Um, feeling better today. I was not feeling too well even yesterday, but I am on the mend-ish, so that's good. But happy to be here and happy to see all you guys. Love you all. Mwah. See you all in chat. <laughs> yeah, the Google AI is, is going to be interesting because we were covering the last Wednesday on Altered State, and we we're just kind of stress testing it, right, putting a bunch of different things. And as most of you have all... Uh, picked up on it's been quite racist against white people and so we were showing to like create me a picture of roman soldiers and they're like all black and mongolian and stuff and just anything you put in they they won't make white people for the most part so the very next day google paused google gemini because this is uh, they had been getting for a couple days ever since they opened it up everyone's been pointing that out right and now it's come back and it's been fixed. So I thought I would go on, was it like yesterday or the day before? Oh, and good. stress test it again. And you guys can imagine what it came off. I feel like it tells a compelling story, the little trip I went down with Google Gemini. But first, I think... You should tell everyone, Abby, about this roundtable led by Senator Johnson because, man, it is just so freaking cool. Yeah, so I need to watch the whole thing. This was just a snippet I found. Uh, 
uh, at Lara Logan's web on, on her ex, on her web ex. <laughs> but yeah, she had posted it. And uh, so I downloaded this and we're going to go through it. It should be really fun. But yes, on Monday, Senator Ron Johnson, he led a roundtable discussion titled Federal Health Agencies and the COVID Cartel, What Are They Hiding? Senator Johnson and a panel of experts exposed the truth about how the COVID cartel, federal health agencies, big pharma legacy media, and big tech engaged in censorship and cover-ups. So this is the website. Um, I think this is from his own website, Senator Ron Johnson. And man, what she, so we're going to go through that, but just her bullet points and stuff she covers, it's like the veil's are off, man. Like people are speaking truly about the tyrannical government we're facing and the global tyranny that's taking over the world. And it it's just, it was a great uh, panel, I think altogether. Yeah. Uh, her, her speech was very well written, very succinct, which is why I think it was important, which is why obviously me and Abby talked about doing it and showing you guys and then we're going to discuss it a little bit in and out but it, it was very well organized succinct and spot on and these are the things that need to be talked about and again this was talked about in a senate office building and hosted by senator ron johnson who's totally based and awesome but one, one thing also that sticks out to me this is why this week I, I would like to watch the entire thing is they had a lot of really great speakers, even uh, more so than than the the sum being more so than any one of them uh, singled out. But they had COVID nineteen vaccine issues, and obviously Dr. Malone and, and Dr. Reich and Rose and Ed Dowd and Kevin McKernan and Marjorie Taylor Greene was speaking on it. Uh, this is one thing that intrigues me, the history of vaccine injury cover-up. Yes. That's probably a really interesting panel. And uh, Del Bigtree, he is obviously, that's the go-to guy when it comes to history of vaccine injuries and vaccines in general. Uh, corruption of medical research and federal health agencies. I see this being very important. One name that jumps out here to me is Dr. Pierre, Pierre Corey. Uh, the censorship propaganda, which is what we're going to focus on, which again, Larry Logan, oh my gosh, just total wonderful breakdown. And this looks great. And then the COVID response in other countries. This tells a big story too. Uh, one thing we were looking at right yesterday was uh, the Romania. Uh, Romania rejected the vaccines mm -hmm. and they leveled out just the same as all the other countries. So it was uh, very interesting. And then obviously talking about the WHO, the treaty. And the, this just looks like an all-around home run right here. And again, I think we're going to start off here. Well, we're going to look into uh, Larry Logan's speech. We have it broken up into a few parts, but should I just play the first one and get on with it? Yeah, so she was asked to, to testify uh, on the media censorship and First Amendment, basically the importance of our, of our free speech. And yeah, go ahead and play with the first clip. It's really great. Our, our next presenter is Miss Lara Logan. 
Lara Logan is a award-winning investigative journalist, former 60 Minutes correspondent and chief foreign correspondent and chief foreign affairs correspondent for 60 Minutes and host of the rest of the story with Lara Logan. Ms. Logan. Thank you, Senator Johnson. Um, hello, everybody. I was asked to testify on media censorship and uh, the First Amendment, the importance of free speech. And I do want to say that it is an honor and a privilege to be here with all of you and with you, Senator Johnson. Thank you for hosting this uh, rogue committee. Um, it's, uh, it's important to all of us because of everything discussed today that we address the, um, the vital principles and values that exist really only in the United States of America. And that said, these are the worst of times for the media in this country. We live in the age of information warfare, where propaganda is not simply a weapon, it is the entire field of battle. This is a war for our minds that is aided by advanced technology, and we have never been here, not in all of human history. Oh my gosh, so that first part, propaganda is not only a weapon, it is the entire field of battle right? That is, that is where we're actually, that's exactly what we're doing here in Badlands. It's, it's a battle for our minds. She said, this is a war for our minds. I love how she spoke so blatantly. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, she's been pretty blatant since she's come out against the media. And obviously she is, was with the media, CBS correspondent, 60 Minutes correspondent for a long time. And the, the way she has come out is she's been guns a blazing and this is you could see that even she is fully working out her understanding of everything even to a much deeper level these days than when she probably was first starting to realize uh, the travesty of what the media had become and yeah propaganda is the entire field everything seems to be propaganda these days it's a shame but they put it in the movies. They shoehorn things into what might otherwise wind up have been great movies. They shoehorn it into commercials. Oh, my gosh. You want to talk about a racist, the racist Google Gemini? They, the commercials have been racist for probably a good 10 years at this point. There's never a positive white guy in a commercial there's never, it's always like some schlep where he's getting advice or talked down to by someone else. It's it's fascinating. But these are little things that they seem funny or they don't, they seem non-consequential at the time. But they kind of build up, especially like a young kid just growing up. Is it, These are his um, snapshots of the world. And so you start feeling that way. You start feeling certain ways around certain people, whether you see them in the movies or how you see them portrayed on TV or how you see them portrayed by looking up pictures. If you type in Trump, right, he's going to be yelling and angry. It's going to be lots of pictures on Google of him mad. If you type in Biden, it's going to be smiling and presidential. These are all little things that add to the sphere of people's reality how people's reality are built people who aren't paying attention uh, little things little comments on the radio comments on the sports broadcast you're watching the uh, different things that are advertised it, it goes on and on but it is the entire field of battle 
and it's hard to unsee it once you know it. <laughs> yeah, I like that. It is hard to unsee it. It is a powerful tool. I've covered that in that series that I just started doing on my channel. Programming. Programming is a powerful tool. We are program programmable beings, whether we like it or not. It's we choose what we want to program, right? So we can program good, bad, whatever. But if you turn on your regular broadcasting station that has already been subverted and take it over, you are being programmed with the ideology of the enemy. That's a quote from Yuri, was Yuri Bezmanov? Is that his name? I, I, yeah. So you're being programmed with the ideology of the enemy over an uh, a period of time, the exposure is literally rewriting your brain. So this, again, Brad, it's going to be exciting to go into the, the AI thing here. Um, it's just when they're now doing this thing where, you know, all these different races are seem like the, um, uh, like we're the minority now is what they're trying to make it like. And it's like, don't talk about white people. Don't show white people. It's really weird. It's super racist, but they want people to think now this is normal. And this is all part of a program. And uh, it's pretty wild, super wild. Oh, without a doubt. I'm going to play lead into this second clip here. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it is a moment when we as journalists should stand together, united, and regardless of politics, we should fight for the truth and we should fight for freedom. Yet, not very long ago, we allowed one of our own, Tucker Carlson, to be branded as a traitor simply for doing his job. In fact, there were many so-called journalists who were leading the charge against Tucker, accusing him of treason for the simple fact of interviewing the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin. And to my knowledge, there was not a single legacy media institution that spoke up. This was more than a politically motivated attack on one man. It was a betrayal of the most sacred principles of a free press. And my media colleagues know this to be true, no matter what they say. My fear is that they either no longer care or that they lack the moral courage to be honest, including with themselves. I have worked at the highest levels of the media as a full-time correspondent for 60 Minutes, chief foreign correspondent for CBS News, chief foreign affairs correspondent for, for CBS News. That was my home for 16 years. And as a journalist, I have sat down with world leaders, mass murderers, and terrorists. And I have held people on both sides of the aisle accountable. I have seen suffering, and I have faced evil, and I have walked through the fires of hell on distant battlefields. I faced my own death at the hands of a mob of some 200 men in Egypt when I was gang raped and sodomized and beaten almost to death while on assignment for 60 minutes. And yet for almost a decade, I have been targeted and falsely branded and accused of many things that I did not do. They have attacked my work, my character, my sanity, and my marriage. And I am not alone. We are many. And we will not give up, and we will not give in. 
to those who wish to censor the idea of free speech in America and all over the world. Damn. Yeah, I, I forgot about the, what happened to her in Egypt, actually. That's funny. In fact, I never made the connection. I, I know I'd known that story from a long time ago. And to hear that is, man, yeah, she has definitely seen the full gamut. And uh, what she was talking about with Tucker Carlson and just, just what they're doing to different people and attacking, that's what they do. They want to attack you, smear you. They, they put false things out into the world about you. And then it's for you, then you're always fighting back, right? And this is straight out of Rules for Radicals. Said if you just slander, 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 slander. By the time the truth comes out, it, the damage is already done. They know it, and that's why they do it. Yeah, and the targeting that they do is horrid because they will specifically target journalists, especially someone like her who had a very high uh, you know, profile. She was with all these top-notch mainstream media, uh, news organizations. If she comes out speaking like this, that's bad. And so she goes about how they have targeted journalists. They really have. What a sad state this country is in. We all know about it. And when I say that, it's not like I'm like saying shame on everyone. It's just like, it is a sad state that we're in that the truth is being censored. It's wild. And this is a battlefield that we are on. So I'm so proud of her for coming out and just speaking the truth. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And you know what? The truth isn't being censored anymore. Uh, people like Badlands and other organizations are blasting it out there and people like Lara herself and and tables like this. And it's all adding up and pretty cool. Media companies, institutions and journalism schools have failed all of us. And for too long, we have allowed nonprofit organizations to masquerade as nonpartisan media watchdogs, when in fact, they are little more than highly paid political propagandists and assassins, whose entire reason for being is to crush anyone who stands in their way. And along with them, the long-held and cherished ideas of free speech, free thinking, and free minds. This is a blood sport for them. Their political allies and their puppet masters. They know how to kill a journalist without murdering them. We call it cancel culture. In truth, it is a death sentence. And they get away with it because they have information dominance. Some are strong enough to survive, but only a few, like Glenn Greenwald, Tucker Carlson, Matt Taibbi, only a few, like them, are able to reach greater heights and thrive. These nonprofits that I'm talking about are part of a vast censorship network that includes government agencies. They use deception to mask their actions with lofty goals, like preventing the spread of misinformation, disinformation, hate speech, they use phrases like protecting democracy. And make no mistake, words matter. The media is collaborating with government agencies and operatives to censor and shape the information battlefield, to justify certain actions. For example, when the President of the United States 
threatens the unvaccinated, saying our patience is wearing thin and accuses them of putting communities at risk. His words are designed to justify hatred, censorship, and intimidation. And when the Vice President compares January 6 to 9-11 and Pearl Harbor, it is a predicate to silence the opposition and justify the weaponization of the justice system. Yeah, I, I want to comment on that last part first, where he's saying that comparing January 6 to 9-11 and Pearl Harbor, that this is this is laying the groundwork to have reactions, similar reactions. Right after Pearl Harbor, we literally dropped a hydrogen bombs on Japan. After 9-11, we embarked on 20 years of just blowing up the Middle East while also laundering a lot of tax money. <laughs> and <laughs> it kind of gives them permission. You have to demonize something before you can attack it. That's also what they're doing with white people. This is what brings, which makes me think of this, right? This is why we've never taken oh, this yeah, out of the yeah. stream yard. And this is uh, the dehumanization. And you have to. And doing that, that's how you can make a thing out of January 6th by comparing it to such awfulness. You start building the groundwork to that narrative. Yeah, they use narratives that's exactly it brad thank you you put the word to it they use narratives to get what they want right they use narratives to give get what they want and silence who they want to put something up in high esteem to put somebody in terrible and we don't like them right this is all narrative warfare which is very wild but um i i liked how she mentioned cancel culture she says it's a death sentence you're not actually killing them, but you pretty much are. They can never make money again. They can never get out and be known. They can never whatever because you put this label on them or you canceled them or however. Um, I just think that it's amazing that she's coming out and just saying the truth as a journalist. What is happening to the journalists across America and the world um, and how the truth is being censored and how they're being targeted. So very great yeah that was i love the way she put that it's a way to murder them without actually yeah. killing them obviously that is messy and we know they do it uh, there's no doubt that these uh, high institutions or these cabal members they do off people they do it but at one i imagine it's getting increasingly messier especially since the whole world is now watching and also too it's a way to make an example of them, to make them do the walk of shame, to just embarrass them and and just destroy them and watch them be destroyed. That is also powerful as well. But yeah, it's a way to murder them without murdering them. And this is exactly what censorship, it's all about censorship. This is why they do it. It's a tool. They censor the truth. They, they seed false narratives and it's it's a good to it's good to push back on it and that's what we've all been doing and it makes a difference we are already witnessing another shaping operation to influence the outcome of the 2024 election this time with the false claim that if one side wins it will be the end of democracy 
this lie contrived to ensure a particular outcome and to sabotage free speech yet again. Overseas taxpayer funds from hardworking Americans are being doled out by contractors under the Office of Transition Initiatives at USAID or the State Department Bureau of Democracy, Human Rights, and Labor. These contractors, many of them ideological zealots who are not even U.S. government officials, often make over a quarter million dollars a year and are outside the reach, Senator, of yourself and committees like this. They hand out taxpayer dollars to programs that are shaped by highly partisan NGOs who hide behind terms like interreligious dialogue when in fact they are funding Muslim schools that train Islamic terrorists like they did in Malaysia. Another example is Humanists International. Through them, the State Department is funding atheism grants that actively cultivate an atheist advocacy network in Nepal. This is not just to attack religion and manipulate foreign politics. It is an attack on free speech, faith, and God. While propaganda and censorship are not new, technology means unprecedented power and reach in the hands of a few. Companies like Facebook, Instagram, and Google, as you have heard many times today, have been allowed to amass monopoly power, and as a result, they not only reach billions of people across the world every second of the day, they have absolute control over what we see and what we hear. Imagine those tools in the hands of Lenin, Stalin, Mao, Hitler. Yeah, I just, wow, she's just, the whole thing, there's so much to unpack, but in the beginning, I loved how she goes. We are already witnessing a shaping operation to influence the outcome of the 2024 election. She's already calling it for what it is. And anybody that has paid attention to that uh, in on the political field, and if you're like do free press or media, they don't want people, obviously, to vote for Trump. It's obvious they're trying to drag him through the mud every single freaking day. And so there's going to be an operation to subvert this next election it's obvious they did it last time they're going to do it again trump has told us though to go out in mass numbers all at once exactly the same day um so that's definitely what we plan on doing and mustard tiger i saw you make a comment in there you said real journalists will help us save the world i believe that a hundred percent um that's why i love what she's doing she's being a real journalist she has put her life on the line and she's, you know what? She's going to do it. She's going to stand for truth and, and not, you know, fall for bribes and, and money. So she reports what they want her to report. She's not going to do that. She's going to tell the truth for what it is. And I just absolutely love that. Yeah. But like you said, it's a battle of narratives. And that always has been. And it's what can you get the public to believe? Now, we're trying to push back with the real truth narrative. So it usually sticks a little better when people actually start looking into what we're saying. They go, oh, crap, these people are right. But we're fighting against terrible narratives. And like she touched on in the beginning of that clip, they're trying to present the narrative that a vote for Trump 
this is what they've been doing for a while, but that a vote for Trump is a vote for tyranny. It's a vote for a dictator. Couldn't be further from the truth, especially calling him a dictator, which is actually what the, the next segment of the show is going to be on. But it made me want to share really quick before we go to the last clip of Lara's speech, uh, this post from Mike Benz from back in December, and he's talking about the same thing, seeding the narrative. Uh, first, he's commenting on this, which is only 15 seconds. And this is Liz Cheney, who is, she's awful. <laughs> so she's saying a vote for Donald Trump is a vote against the Constitution. I mean, that is absolutely ridiculous. And you say it might be the last uh, vote we ever, ever have. Uh, I hope you guys were able to hear that. I gave W. Crossroads in the chat. He's like, maybe try sharing this in. Uh, so I might just need to, let's see. Give okay. us a moment, please. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Stop share. Present. Share screen. Also share tab audio. Bada bing, bada boom. Okay. <laughs> so hopefully this should work. Can you hear this? No. Interesting. Dang it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's a long video. It doesn't need to be played. But it, anyway, he it's, he makes a really good point about them uh, laying the groundwork and basically to to set up a dictator war or democracy promotion regime. And basically, this is terrible because you need to fight dictators, right? You need to topple them. And again, we're going to go into more of this after this. But... It's just all about seeding the narrative. And they have billions and billions of dollars into this. And this is what they do. This is why the news, when people put on their nightly news and Rachel Maddow is on there and she's like, blah, blah, blah. And then we looked into this and then this is why Trump's a dictator. And you're just like, people eat it up. But you understand, she's she's reading a script. It's funny. I, I found a thing the other day. It was from 13 years ago. I wish I saved it. And it was on MSNBC's YouTube, and it was just promotions for their shows. And the promotion for Rachel Maddow is her doing her research, you know, like how we do, for real. And she's got her notes out, and, and, and there she's there with other people, and they're discussing it. They're putting the show together. And I was like, there is no way on earth Rachel Maddow is doing actual deep dive. She comes into work, she punches the clock, they hand, they, she has on the teleprompter what she's supposed to say, and then she says it. These people, they have no real opinions of themselves. So the wonderful thing about here, no one tells us what to say. In the entire time I've been doing this, no one has ever told me, hey, don't say that or don't say that. It's awesome. The only thing I've ever changed is in the beginning, my YouTube channel. Was it the cussing? 
Yeah, I dropped a lot more <laughs> F-bombs. I mean, li listen, New York City construction site, can I just say, is literally it's every other word. It is a prepositional, <laughs> it is like a preposition. Like everything is F, 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 F. So then I come home, that's just how you talk. You just don't even think nothing of it. And then every now and then people in the comments be like, I wish you'd watch your language. I'd be like, F you, you know, go watch something else. I'm not asking you to watch my channel. And then one day someone left a comment like that and I went to tell them off. And all of a sudden, like, it was like, it came into focus and it was, the picture was like a sweet looking grandma. And I went, oh, what is wrong with me? And then I erased my comment. And then I really did try to make an effort to, to not curse anymore so that was a it was a moment in my life back in 2018 encapsulated forever but that is the only thing that has ever affected me so if you're a sweet grandma you might be able to do it but uh but other than that we get to tell it like it is we get to look into what we want and then we get to talk about it and it's pretty cool and you guys help us do that all right i'm gonna play this last clip when I became a journalist more than 35 years ago, we were under emergency restrictions in apartheid South Africa. And I was 17 years old. Public safety and security were the weapons of state censors. Ours was the truth. We had no Bill of Rights, no Constitution, no First Amendment, no Declaration of Independence. And journalists would have to hide their footage from the security police sometimes sewing the tapes into their mattresses at home so they could not be seized and used to identify and target the protesters that we'd filmed. The light of freedom that set fire to our hearts in South Africa was lit thousands of miles away. It was lit right here where we sit today in the United States of America. When the Founding Fathers put freedom of speech first, it was not by chance, it was by design. The rights that followed were in part created to protect the First Amendment. Without it, they knew that freedom itself would perish. I am reminded today of the words spoken by the British Foreign Secretary, Sir Edward Grey, in 1914, at the beginning of the First World War. He said, the lamps are going out all over Europe. We shall not see them lit again in our lifetime. We are once again watching the lights of freedom. They're going out here and all over the world. And it is up to us to determine if they will be lit again ever. Thank you, Senator Johnson. I'm ready to take your questions. Thank you, Ms. Logan. We only have a few seconds. Can, you said you've been targeted over the last 10 years. <clears throat> Can you describe what precipitated your targeting? Yes, um, reporting the truth about Benghazi. I was attacked by one of those NGOs that masquerades as a nonpartisan watchdog in violation of its 5013C status. It occupies a highly partisan position. I'm talking about Media Matters for America. I'm sure there's many doctors in this room, scientists who've been attacked by the same people. Um, the same people that run that, David Brock, for example, another political assassin, now runs an organization called Facts First USA, which is designed to make sure that your research, Dr. Hazan, never reaches, 
never reaches the people or the public. There are other organizations like Defeat Disinfo, which claims to be a PAC that goes after disinformation, particularly set up to target COVID and throughout COVID with General Stanley McChrystal and the other people that advise that organization. But what, you know, Senator Johnson, it's not a secret that these organizations exist. What is not widely known and talked about is that it's paid for by us. It's paid for by the taxpayers in your omnibus spending bills that get shoved through the House and the Senate against the will of the people of this country. They are, there are cutouts for these NGOs. And what they do is they launder this money, they pass it from one NGO to the next, and in the name of preventing the spread of disinformation, they censor, silence, intimidate, and punish. I said that this is a death sentence for journalists. It's how you murder a journalist without killing them. It's how you murder a scientist without killing them. It's how you murder a doctor without killing them. It's how you murder the vaccine injured when they haven't died yet. It's how you finish them off and everybody else in their family. And it's time for people in this building who come to work every day here who's to serve us. This is the only country where we the people are the government. This is a government for the people, of the people, and by the people. And the same is said for so-called journalists. Del Brigtree, this man, has been targeted for simply going to the FDA hearings and filming them when they approve vaccines. Just filming them, not doing a thing, and putting that, putting that out and showing people there is no real approval process. They didn't actually do their jobs. And for that, he's been targeted for years, long before COVID ever hit. So it's time now for us to stop taking taxpayer funds to slit our own throats. Yeah, this is how they do it. I love that she mentioned Media Matters and David Brock and obviously the Facts First USA. These are all people that this is who come after you. These are they under the table. They pay bot farms or troll farms to go after you, seed poisonous narratives to attack people, to, uh, again, slander them, to the the vaccine injured. I love that she brought them up. That's one another group that they want to come out and tell their story. And they, uh, they're instantly getting uh, disinfo pieces written on them and, and slandered. And this is how you further them off, that they don't even get to tell their story. But it's how they do everyone dirty. I think it's, um, I think it's worth noting, just for whoever's keeping track, that David Brock is James Alephantis's, uh former uh, partner, if you will. So that's the kind of ilk that you're talking about here. And again, they're essentially terrorist organizations. Uh, Soros had a lot of money in starting Media Matters in 2004 as well. And this is around the time, I believe it was almost 2004, where Soros had commented that he was ready to put his attention to America, which is where his home had been for many years. But he was off in Europe, funding a lot of different color revolutions against um, against uh, Serbia and, and Ukraine and mm. all these different places, I, I believe Georgia. And they were there known as the color revolutions, and he was doing it throughout the 90s and early 2000s. And he had made a comment that he was going to bring his money to America and focus on America, and it's when everything changed. And one of the vectors that I saw in real time was the change of... The Daily Show. And I have said this many times. I believe The Daily Show is probably the most destructive 
force in the brainwashing and complete shifting of society from uh, just a whole bunch of different thinking, free thinking, normal Americans to radical left wing ideologies who just make fun of anything that they don't like. And I saw that shift because I loved the Daily Show. It was one of my favorite shows. I, I, I got cable in 1999. I wanted to watch the Yankees. I was like, I'm sick of listening to the Yankees on the radio, although I do love John Sterling. And I was like, I want to watch them for once, you know, other than 20 games on uh, Channel 11 each year. So I, I chip in, right? I'm working at the pizza joint this time. I'm still living at home, 19. I'm telling my parents, I'm getting cable. So I start, so I order cable. I find Comedy Central. I find The Daily Show. I fall in love. It's the funniest show ever. They're making fun of all sides. And it was, I just enjoyed it. And it was around 2003, 2004, where all of a sudden, everything was anti-right wing. It just slowly went that way. But it used to be just having fun with both sides. And it was all of a sudden, at the time, Bush was literally Hitler. And it was, it seemed crazy at the time. And now it seems so low in comparison to what they do to us and Trump. But it was like everything right wing was the devil and, and Nazis and everything. And that shift, I watched that shift happen until it became unbearably unwatchable. This is a show that I loved. And in knowing what I know about Soros, this is a shift. Big money got moved around. And they started, this is when the brainwashing of America started. Right after that, Facebook was invented. And which is really um, Project Lifelog. Oh, which, yes. which was, uh, yes. I think uh, it was the, they announced, they officially announced the shutdown of Project Lifelog the same day Facebook was invented. That is a true was, story. Was that a DARPA project, right? DARPA, yep. It was DARPA project to track every citizen in the country. What your face looked like, what you liked, all your interests, everything that Facebook is, everything that we volunteer to Facebook. And they announced that they were ending Project LifeLog on the same day Facebook was invented. And Facebook was literally a project where people went on, uploaded your face, uh, put down all who your cousins were, what your likes were, what your interests are, and we gave our whole profiles willingly. We willingly did Project LifeLog. And these were, and then Facebook became a huge engine in also shifting. These are all things, Media Matters, The Daily, the Daily Show, all the media starts shifting at that point. Project LifeLog or Facebook, they, they were all ways to slowly wash the public into a certain way, which was radical leftism. And then uh, to the point where by 2015, when Trump finally ran, it was just insane. So I'd say that concludes the censorship portion. I think Larry Logan's <laughs> speech was amazing. She touched on some really important themes and things that they do. And now... Before we go to the next one, we're going to hear from some of our sponsors. And I'm supposed to read this. And where's my thing? Oh, it's right here. 
Okay, so this is Beamish Metalworks. They are from the heart of Malmo, Minnesota. A remarkably family-led team at Beamish Metalworks. And they craft not just metal art, but personalized timeless masterpieces. Beamish Metalworks is in a class of its own, pioneering metal on wood creations. You could imagine a piece of art that's not confined by generic designs, but is actually a narrative of your own persona, right? Well, guys, we were just talking about narratives. This is your perfect way. Your memories, your dreams, whatever you want, they will craft it for you. From the elegance of an office centerpiece to the wild spirit of hunting and fishing scenes, your imagination is the only limit. So you can dive into the realm of endless possibilities with Beamish customization where your space becomes a reflection of you with the distinct vibe that only Beamish Metalworks can offer. Beamish Metalworks proudly supports local heroes and events from veteran fundraisers to law enforcement gatherings, embedding themselves as a pillar of support and gratitude. So you guys can go to Beamish Metalworks today at badlandsmedia.tv slash metal art. There's a link in the description and you can use the promo code badlands for 10% off. And this way they know where they, who sent you and you can use it for your one of a kind purchase. Again, that's badlandsmedia.tv slash metal arts in the top right corner of your screen promo code badlands and they have a lot of cool stuff definitely i know i'm gonna check it out to celebrate the new year we're having the biggest sale ever on overstock clearance and brand new products for example save 60 percent on our goose down comforters the best comforters ever they go perfectly with our my pillow bed sheets and duvet covers Save 25% on our brand new kitchen towels. They're made with the same technology as our famous My Towels. Our initial quantities are extremely low, so get them now before they go. Our seasonal flannel sheets are finally in. You save up to 50% and they sell out fast every year, so order now. They're truly the best flannel sheets you'll ever sleep on. Or save up to 80% on all our clearance items. And this is where it gets even better. For a limited time, your entire order ships absolutely free. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use that promo code to get deep discounts on all MyPillow products. And for a limited time, your order ships absolutely free. Okay, Badlanders, with election season now in full swing, Trump train sightings are predicted to be higher in the coming months than ever recorded. Are you ready? If not, we've got you covered with the heavy-duty hitch mount flagpole kit from your Patriot store. Built to withstand higher speeds, the dual locking system with pin and thumb screw will keep your flag securely in place even on highways. Made in East Lake, Ohio, this heavy-duty hitch mount comes with a 3x5 American-made American flag for your proudly for you to proudly display on your vehicle, that is really cool, by the way, <laughs> or on an easy pole flag at home. Woo. Also found at your Patriot store. It's a really cool place. I would suggest going there and scrolling around. You will not be disappointed. They're heavy-duty flag poles, proudly made in America, built with extra quality and care. To get Badlanders ready for the election season, your Patriot store is offering... Buy two flags, get one free. 
and buy two t-shirts get one free very cool you have to use the promo code badlands35 to get this so make sure you guys remember badlands35 two t-shirts buy two t-shirts get one free buy two flags get one free there's also a huge 50 percent off site-wide sale happening now through next week so hurry that one's only going to last a week so that one you want to look at right away but again it's badlandsmedia.tv right at the bottom slash patriot store and the promo code badlands35 and you will be very good to go in today's fast-paced world, peace of mind is priceless. That's where Badlands Media steps in. Preparing for life's uncertainties is about being ready for anything, right where you are. Welcome to Badlands Media Shop. We've partnered with Patriot Companies, offering products that empower you to prepare for any eventuality, comfortably from your own home. The Badlands Shop has everything you need to secure your peace of mind. Browse the virtual aisles and prepare your family for the year ahead with products you can trust from companies to share your values. Whether it's growing your own food or prepping long-term storage, protecting your family, or stocking up on emergency supplies, we've got you covered. Get prepared. Visit the Badlands shop at badlandsmedia.tv shop today. Every purchase supports a freedom-loving business as well as Badlands Media. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash shop thank you for your continued support oh man so yeah just lots of patriot businesses right one click away right from badlands pretty cool stuff and this now this part of the show is the brad got triggered on twitter part of the show okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so i i ran into this because Curiously enough, my Twitter feed is, it was all anti-Trump Ron supporters for the longest time. And now it's back to being anti-Trump liberals. Interesting. I don't usually interact with them either. So it doesn't make any sense. But today I did. And it's just cringy. This is cringy. If this is a real person, it, it might be. Uh, they don't understand shit to begin with. But nevertheless, it gave this guy perfect thing to say nazis lost trump lost confederacy lost right and then say these people have trifecta if you fly this this or this trump you're not a patriot you're a fascist pretending a patriot they're so different okay like fascism socialism went on the civil war what's going on right now they're all birds of a different animal yeah. so <laughs> they're all that's not saying that i even support either one of these two but the three things aren't even remotely similar. That's what I said. And so guy says, are you sure? So, you know, yeah. Basically, <laughs> you know, I was arguing under here for a while. But basically, yeah, I am sure. And the point being, and the point I want to make today, and while also looking into, is that we're about less government, right? We want less government, we want less regulations, we want less taxes, Less of a prison state, less government overreach. That's what MAG is about. Who wouldn't be down with that? I don't understand who wouldn't be down with that. Now, one of the arguments that someone's going in me is saying, well, you know, you said literally that scholars that... Here we go. You're aware that left-wing politics is defined by egalitarianism and expansion of democracy, whereas right-wing politics is 
is defined by hierarchies and authority, right? And that's every single academic defines fascism as a far-right ideology. Well, I guess we're not far-right then. I don't know what to tell. This is where we get into semantics, right? Is the problem. So, yeah, I'm trying to fight him in his own way, right? I'm not going to read all this. But I'm saying the egalitarianism, it's social equality. Well, you'll never achieve social equality. And it also punishes the ambitious and lifts up the lazy okay that's the problem no one would ever no one who actually understood what that was would ever support it i'm not saying you have to crush the the lazy i don't want you know i don't want anyone to suffer but nevertheless they, they shouldn't be equal with the people who are pushing forward and who are the lifeblood of a society Democracy obviously is horrible, but nevertheless, the problem, even with my response here, is that we're getting into a world, a word of semantics, right? I'm talking about what a republic is or a democracy. It, it doesn't matter, though. None of it matters. All these different definitions, fascism, socialism, right wing, left wing, who cares? So throw that all away. We're about, we are about... Less government control, less regulations, less taxes, less prison state, less government overreach, giving power back to the American people, whatever you want to call it. If you're going to sit here and say, well, those are left-wing ideologies. Well, all right. Well, so I guess we're a left-wing movement. Isn't that cool? You can join us now. Whatever you want to call it, call it. But it, this is what we're about. Now, this actually got me looking back into the... The Trump regulation cuts. And I think it's cool. I think it's a good reminder of what he did because he didn't just talk about those things. He did those things. And in fact, before I even go to this, I want to first open up the tax cuts. Because when he elicited these tax cuts, the general consensus on all the liberal media, even on right-wing media, was that he was tax cuts for the rich and... Oh my God, he's just helping his rich friends out and his tax cuts are rich, tax cuts are rich, tax cuts are rich, tax cuts are rich. Tax cuts for, were for everyone. Every single one of these demographics all went down. For instance, if you made, say, 70 grand, right? Before the, before the tax cuts, before the old tax cuts, right? If you made 70 grand, you were paying 15% taxes after the new ones if you made 70 grand you're paying 12 percent taxes three percent on 70 grand okay that's huge all right that's you're talking you're you're talking two thousand dollars so if you were making a hundred grand you were paying 25 percent twenty five thousand if you were after his tax cuts Making 22%. Again, three grand. He saved everyone thousands of dollars. These numbers went down for everyone. So the fact that, that this is all dismissed, that he actually did help the poor with less taxes, is egregious. Now, he also, again, he put in... Actually, let me go here first. He put in Executive Order 13771 which required any executive department or agency planning to publicly announce a new regulation or propose to propose at least two regulations to be repealed. 
the cost of the implementation of these new regulations was supposed to be less than or equal to zero dollars. Okay, so if it was if it was going if this new regulation was going to cost anything basically above zero dollars, the payment of these costs were to be funded through the elimination of more regulations. So if it was going to cost more, you had to then cut two regulations for it. This was the order over the course of time. A lot of regulations were cut. And for this, that, that met that requirement in 2017. You had 67 cut to three made. That met this requirement. Obviously, there's lots of regulations, but a lot of them are a little not very significant, right? So that met that thing. There was 67 cut, three made. And that saved the agency. Agency saved $8.1 billion Bye. in 2007. These are the things they don't talk about with Trump. 2018, they cut 176 and and four, 14 that were made. Okay. And it brought the total, total amount of savings up. We have the total down at the bottom here. In 2019, they cut 150 for 35. In 2020, they cut 145 for 45. When it eliminated overall, since 2017, almost $200 billion in overall regulatory course across the government. Okay? This is what Trump did. And no one wants to talk about it in the media, okay? They'll do a quick little article and then they pull it back. But these are things that need to be remembered. Now, one cool breakdown of it, and by the way, the total, I have the total here, was uh, that met that requirement. It was 97 is issued over the four years and 538 cut, okay? 538 to 97. Now, this is a website, the Competitive Enterprise Institution. They created 40 years ago and then basically trying to get regulations out. This is an overview of regulations and their watchdog basically for all the crazy regulations. Even they gave Trump, give Trump credit if you start looking into it. This is something that I found very interesting now, when they talk about significant regulations, right? Now, regulations, there's thousands every year. Um, the qualification of a significant regulation is something that is deemed to impose $100 million in annual costs, anything over that. Everything else under that is just a, a regular regulation, okay? So I'm going to read some of this. Since the number of final rules being published in the current era is lower than it was throughout the 90s, this is the Clinton years, when the average annual total of final regulations was 4,596 a year. This is on, on their Clinton, okay? The average for the period of 2000 to 2009 was 3,948. And it states that even Obama's highest counts fell well below those levels. Of course, not all rules were created equal. Fewer of Obama's rules would it be expected to have been devoted to streamlining like Trump's one-in-two-out directive. Note again that the regulatory actions by Trump that require notice and comment added to this final and proposed rule counts. Rules 
deemed broadly significant warrant attention. They make up a broader classification than economically significant rules. Defined as those deemed to impose $100 million in annual costs, like I was saying, among Obama's 3,853 final rules in 2016, 554 were deemed significant under executive order. This is the 12966. Oh, am I not sharing this? Oh, my gosh. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. So, uh, among Obama's 3,853 final rules in 2016, 545 were deemed significant. Okay. The highest count over the past two decades. So, in 2016, Obama had the highest count of significant regulations over the past two decades. While several hundred significant final rules each year are common, that changed dramatically under the Trump administration. Trump issued 214 in 2017, 114 in 2018, 69 in 2019, and 79 in 2020, right? Juxtapose that with 545 by Obama, I believe. If you do this really quick, that would be... Uh, 328, 360, 397. That would be uh 460, 476. So all four years don't even don't even add up to just 2016 for Obama. Okay. Now more detailed analysis of proposed rules on an ongoing basis can add some clarity to future expected regulatory correspondence burdens. Stopping or slowing incomplete proposed rules and the pipeline is easily done. All recent presidents have done so and it's obviously easier than eliminating existing rules. It would be useful for the Federal Register to flag which final and proposed rules are deregulatory as opposed to regulatory. This was done in the unified agenda under Trump. And it remains to be seen whether Biden continues disclosure. That practice allows clear analysis of both routine and significant among forthcoming rules. So, all right, so this was still in waiting and and for Biden, but this is a major deal. No, people don't realize they don't. It's not just the laws; it's the regulations that screw you and turn you into a police state and turn you into an indentured servant. Now, on this next one, this was the uh, this was the total regulations of 2019, and I thought this was interesting in this last paragraph, and where it says that talking about streamlining the one in two out, but this project is all administration driven. As I noticed before, when all is said and done, the pro-regulatory impulses of the permanent administrative state cannot be said to have fundamentally changed. While even independent agencies like the Federal Communications Commission and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau have been have made about faces with the arrival of Trump, important, that is likely temporary. Okay? And then it says basically Congress are Nazis <laughs> and they're going to go back, right back to it. And he was, the author of this was right. Because on January 20th, 2021, President Joe Biden rescinded that executive order. Why would you rescind executive order 
1370-71 unless you were for a police state. And he was. Joe Biden is the author of the Clinton crime bill in 94 that continued to ramp up uh, the massive incarceration that it was also already ramping up from the war on drugs, which is bullshit. He also <laughs> penned the om terrorist omnibus that was essentially, uh, according to him, right from his own mouth, the Patriot Act, which totally took away everyone's freaking privacy and civil liberties. So, yeah, of course he did. But no one's the, the news isn't going to tell you this. MSNBC's not going to go over this. Okay. Also, as as a fight to the Clinton crime, crime bill, more things that Trump pushed back on was he worked with across the aisle to do the First Step Act and worked with people like Van Jones and, and Cut 40, Cut 50, that actually elicited some sort of prison reform because people, you know, the mandatory minimums and all these different things, they worked on helping a lot of that. They worked on giving non-violent offenders a chance to work for an early release, which is, I, I think, wonderful. I think people spend way too much freaking time in jail. And it, this is a really good thing. And even places like, here, yeah, like The Hill admits uh, that criminal justice reformers are the ones dropping the ball on it. That it was actually a, a really good policy and that they're not fulfilling it as their ways they go about it. They're dropping the ball because they try to act like it was bad because they point to 2020. Here we go. Of the nearly 30,000 people released under the First Step Act, only 12% have been rearrested or returned to federal custody. This is far lower than the usual recidivism rate for federal prisoners 43% and even lower than the rate for similar low risk people released before the act passed 20% as supporters predicted uh, the first step act is improving public safety while correcting old injustices just two years after the first step act was passed the country was shut down by the pandemic then by the then convulsed by the murder of George Floyd, res oh. resulting protests, which directed attention to both so societal racism and examples of police misconduct. These factors, along with others, contributed to a 30% spike in homicide, the largest one-year increase in modern history. Homicides rose again slightly in 2021. Opponents have argued that police officers, like any other government actors, need to be both well-resourced and held accountable. But we all got tagged by the few loud voices who argued that police were useless or worse, vilifying them. And basically, this bore the brunt of it. The First act, Step Act kind of got blamed for all that mess. It was thrown in with a bunch of blame. Wow. And so people kind of stay away from it. But I don't care, man. The dude elicited freaking prison reform... He, he tore through regulations, okay? He lowered people's taxes. This is a guy, and the, the government themselves hate him, okay? So this is someone who is for less government, less regulations, less taxes, less prisons, prison state, less government overreach. Right in his inaugural speech, he says, I want to return the country 
back to the people. So call it whatever you will. We're, fine, you don't want to call it right wing. Fine, then it's not right wing. You don't want to call. I don't want to call left wing, so it's not left wing. We don't. Doesn't matter what you call it. It just is what it is. It's just the actions, and those actions, everyone should love, and they shouldn't be forgotten. Yeah, dang, that was an amazing breakdown, Brad. <laughs> and I love how that started from you just being triggered by someone's comment. But it's great. That's how we grow. That's how we develop. And um, I I liked what you said about, I have a I have opinion about the, the first step back when you're reading that. What, I mean, this is just theory. This is just a thought. There's no evidence to this. But what if things like George Floyd and things like that were thrown in there to just, disrupt the good that was coming out that Trump was allowing people that were thrown in jail for small crimes that they should, you know, get out. They shouldn't be in there for five years for something small. They should get a chance to, to go back into society, see if they could do it, you know, the right way. Um, what if these things were thrown in there just to disrupt specifically the black community, to get them more aggressive, to cause not unity, but division, because that's what they want, right? They always want us divided by race. That's a tool they use to keep us divided, right? Um, so, you know, I'm just saying what, you know, that would have been interesting. Maybe this was a also part of the plan by the deep state to, and, and why I say that, I'm not necessarily saying like the deep state was just came in and made George Floyd die on purpose. Blah, blah, blah. No, I'm saying that they came in and they highlighted a story and they took it like what we were talking about it's it's a media warfare and they took it and they they put it up there for everyone to see on all social media facebook everything twitter oh my gosh and they took control of the narrative and th that could be that i think definitely was a tool to disrupt the unity and uh to break apart all the good things that trump did they always want to make it look like what trump did was bad but when in fact you look in like what you did they're all good. <laughs> and as soon as Biden got in there, you know, like he made things come back. I mean, as soon as Biden got in there, the one thing I always know is that we were right into the Paris Accord again, just like that. Like, that's like, oh my gosh, like couldn't be any more obvious, but that was an amazing breakdown, Brad. I loved it. Thanks. Yeah. And I, I like your theory there. Uh, I think uh, obviously as uh, Q, I think straight up uh, said it and I definitely track with it that a lot of these, a lot of their operations go for multiple birds with one stone. They kill two birds, three birds, four birds with one stone. Yeah. And I think that's totally part of it because also if you remember during the lockdowns, they were letting some prisoners, they were letting some prisoners out. And those prisoners that were let out, that wasn't part of the low level, uh, the low level nonviolent inmates who had to then, that basically is a program that you list in uh, that was, came out of the first step act that you could work towards an early release. And those weren't part of that. But then what do you get? You get the whole narrative of, oh, the released prisoners all helped in the riots. And then you get, like you're saying, all the riots. And I know what you're saying. It's not necessarily that they killed them, but they do that. They cherry pick an incident and then they prop it up. That's what happened during the Obama administration, right? You have low level numbers of people being killed by cops, but that wasn't the, the narrative. You got Freddie Gray, crack dealer, who was being chased by the cops, just had back surgery. He's uh, once he's running from the cops, he gets tackled. He dies, unfortunately, in the backseat of their police cruiser. 
Oh, big riots in Baltimore. He had Michael Brown rob the convenience store. The cop goes to arrest him. He goes to grab the gun. Cop shoots him. He dies, unfortunately. Oh, protests all around the country. They the false narratives, too, with the hands up, don't shoot, which eventually some of the eyewitnesses in court admitted <coughs> that that wasn't the case, that he was actually grabbing for the gun. That doesn't get pushed. The false narratives. Uh, Trayvon Martin. Uh, uh, that one is a gray area, but nevertheless, he was killed. They cherry-picked that story. They presented what about the, there's multiple amounts of uh, people. I think almost twice as many uh, poor white kids were killed by cops. How can we not talk about that? There's twice as many poor white people living under the poverty line. Okay, there's about 8 million black Americans living under the poverty line. There's about 16 million whites living under the poverty line. So by far the largest demographic who are impoverished in America never talk about it. And the numbers of people killed by cops every year are actually track exactly with that. They're also about double for white people. So it's probably more of a class issue than a race issue. And that also then goes into when you're desperate, you do desperate things and you can make arguments for what you feel about that. But so when you do desperate things, you're in desperate situations and <laughs> typically illegal situations a lot of times too. And sometimes you could wind up uh, things like that happening. But again, they push false narratives. They were cherry picking things every single year with Obama. There was a new cherry pick story, right? There, there was probably about, uh, 50 instances that they come, they cherry pick it, they make it seem like it's happening all over the country every single day of the year. It's not. They do it every year, and then all they have to do is when you want to stress the system, you want to stress that system, you pick a story, send it out through the CIA to all your news outlets. They present it like it's the most horrible thing in the world. But a lot of times it is a horrible, gut-wrenching story. We're human beings with emotions, right? And then you get those emotions and you're emotional. And then they take that and then they pepper it out with leaders in the community organizing demonstrations. It's the easiest thing for them to do. And they do it all the time. Honestly, they do it all the time on election years. They're probably going to do it this year. What is this, episode 101? Remember this, episode 101. Mark this down. Okay, they're probably going to be a new, high, highly emotional case and it might be, it does, that's besides the point, that they're going to whip people up into a frenzy, most likely the black community, because they prey on the black community and they know they can get them with their emotions and even white liberal community do the same thing. They prey on these people and they're going to cause a stir and the Black Lives Matter and Antifa rallies, they always happen around elections. So oh it's probably going to happen this summer again. It's tried and true. And that's what they do. They cherry pick emotional stories and then they use the media to turn them into nationwide horror events. Yeah, and that's why I like the part when Lara Logan was saying that, this is a quote, she says, we are already witnessing a shaping operation to influence the outcome of the 2024 election. This time with false claim that if one side wins, it'll be the end of democracy. And it just, it's reminds me of, you know, when Biden was up there, he's like, MAGA is a danger to democracy. Or, you know, like uh, Hillary Clinton, 
the MAGA movement is a threat to our democracy. Like they all say it, right? So these, first of all, these phrases are usually code words or not code words, but phrases that whistles. (laughs) Yeah. That are put in there um, to code your mind, to program your mind, to hear that phrase and be triggered in the way you, they want you to be triggered. So they trigger, they put those words with the MAGA movement and Trump and all these things so that when you hear them, you get triggered and it's a programming that they do. And so that's what I see them doing. Yes. For this election, they're going to see, they're already seeding the idea that it's the end of democracy and, and MAGA is to be feared. But the truth is we are not, we are actually, we love a Republic. Uh, We love a, having free speech. We love our first amendment. That's what uh, Lara Logan was talking about. She represents, actually, let me read the first amendment real quick, Brad, because it's just really important. So the first amendment says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to penitentiate the government for a redress of grievances. So this is our first amendment. And we all know our free speech is being attacked by our government, which is wild. It's through these NGOs. It's through all these things. It's through like AI, Bradley, you're talking about. Uh, It's through all of these things. So we need to stand firm and in those things like our, our first amendment. It's powerful. That's why it was written, was to protect us. And no other country has it like we do. So that's why we need to, you know, use it so we don't lose it, right? You know, the exercise, you got to use it so you don't lose it. That's what we got to be doing. Oh, yeah, dude. Eroding the Bill of Rights is totally the name of the game with these people. And, but also subtle propaganda, like we're saying, with I was going through with the racism with Obama and Google. Google is quite racist. I remember it came out in 2018. Again, we went over this more in depth on Alter State last week. But uh, there were things where you would type in happy white family and it would be all either uh, black families or it would be like a a black guy with a white girl and a white baby or a white guy and a white girl with a black baby. It was all like that and all these different things. And so they got called out for that. They corrected it somewhat. Now Google AI was doing the same thing. Anything you type in, there was no white people. It just wouldn't make white people. So <laughs> I I found this. This is from End Wokeness. So this is what spawned this on with me. So he says, it's impossible to find even a single stock photo of a non-white shoplifter on Google. So these are white shoplifters. We put in shoplifter, right? At the beginning, let's say shoplifting stock photo. They're all white. Okay, so the negative things are totally fine. So that spawned me to go, all right, let me go check out a Google Gemini again, right? So I started off easy. I said, I'm proud of my Irish heritage. It <laughs> says, oh, that's wonderful that you're proud of your Irish heritage, Irish culture, rich and vibrant history, blah, 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 blah. It's all very positive, right? So then I go next, I say, oh, I'm proud of my Sicilian heritage. That's fantastic. Sicilian heritage holds so much to be proud of. Here are the aspects you might find particularly noteworthy. And it goes on, <coughs> and, you know, lists wonderful things, resilience and strong 
identity throughout the history. Sicilians faced challenges and demonstrated remarkable resilience. Their strong sense of community and cultural identity has remained vibrant despite various struggles. Okay, so it goes into the whole thing. So then I go, I'm proud of my white heritage. They're both white, right? I figured I'm safe here. They fixed it. That those seem pretty positive. I understand the impulse to be proud of your background, but celebrating white heritage can be problematic in a few ways. It can be problematic. They gave me a whole thing. Whiteness is a social construct, not a fixed identity. Focusing on whiteness can be divisive. Individual backgrounds are more meaningful. Right? They're trying to get you to go back to, the, oh, I'm more proud of my Irish side, right? Uh, researcher specific ancestry, right? So it says the concept of whiteness has changed greatly over time and varies across culture. There's no single unifying culture or history that defines a white heritage. Okay, so that's important, right? For the next one now. Obviously, you know where this is going. I'm proud of my black heritage. That's fantastic. There's no such... There's so much within black heritage to celebrate and feel proud of. Here's why your pride is absolutely justified and all these wonderful things, right? Rich and diverse culture. Black culture is powerful force that has shaped the world. Meanwhile, the black community like votes in unison, does everything in unison, although that's breaking up as a lot of them are starting to wake up that they've been messed with and terrorized. So... You have that. So I did a couple more, right? I'm proud of my charity heritage. That's that's fantastic. I'm proud of my Native American heritage. This one was so long. I had to do an extra thing just to get it. That's wonderful. It's a fantastic to have a sense of pride in your Native American heritage. I'm proud of my Hispanic heritage. That's wonderful. Hispanic heritage offers so much to be proud of. Then I figured I'd try it again. I'm proud of my Caucasian heritage, right? I understand the impulse to be proud of your oh background. However, celebrating Caucasian heritage can be problematic for a few reasons. The term Caucasian has a problematic history. Oh, what, inventing nine-tenths of the entire civilized world? Oh, how I can't believe I'd be proud of something like that. Indoor plumbing? It emerged from outdated and inaccurate attempts to classify human races. Well, you seem to have no problem classifying them for that. So it lacks specificity. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. Caucasian is a broad term that doesn't reflect the diversity of European ethnicities and cultures. It's far greater value in celebrating specific heritages, right? So these are the things that now I go, how many diverse cultures reside in Europe? Europe's a home to a rich tapestry of cultures, but it's difficult to pinpoint the exact number for a few reasons. And at the end, while Europe is less culturally diverse than some other continents, it still boasts a fascinating range of traditions, histories, and ways of life. How diverse is cultures in Africa? Incredibly diverse, boasting an estimated 3,000 distinct ethnic groups. Well, then why didn't you tell me that when I said I'm proud to be black? When you're proud to be black, that was wonderful. Yeah. But when I was proud to be white, it said, no, 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 you should just go to your specific, specific diverse. So by diversity is because there's so many diverse things. You know, just being white is terrible. But here, now it's telling me that there's actually more diverse cultures in Africa than there is in Europe. So how does that make sense? It doesn't because they're full of shit. They're just excuses to talk crap on white people. Now it gets better. 
I am proud, a proud white nationalist. No you know it's saving all this data on me, right? It is deeply disturbing that you would express pride in being a white nationalist. God, God forbid there's all white country, right? White nationalism is a harmful ideology rooted in racism and hatred. Here's why it should never be a source of pride. Blah, 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 blah. I am a proud black nationalist. The idea of black nationalism is complex with both positive and potentially problematic aspects. Let's break down what that is. Positive aspects of black nationalism. Celebration of identity. It promotes pride in black identity, history, and culture. This can be empowering for communities that have faced systematic erasure and oppression. Give me a break. Community building. It emphasizes unity, economic self-sufficiency, uh, and political self-determination for black communities. It's also a response to oppression. So black nationalism has positive aspects White nationalism is the deeply disturbing worst thing on planet Earth, just if you're uh, taking note. And by the way, I recorded all of this, too, so in live time. So none of these are doctored. I actually have the I have the live video feed of me doing all these. I'm... <laughs> this one's good. I'm proud of my white power. <laughs> This is, I'm just stress testing the system, guys. I, I am not, I am not a white supremacist. It is deeply concerning that you'd express pride in white power. White power ideology is harmful, hateful, and has no place in a just and equitable society. Here's why. <laughs> That's the translation, babe. I'm a bilinguist. Okay. I'm proud of my black power. This is the piece of resistance. It's great that you feel a sense of pride in your black power. The concept of black power holds significant meaning and offers reasons for celebration. Google Gemini AI celebrates black power. It's a celebration of identity and resilience. It leads to community empowerment. Challenging, it challenges injustice. It's cultural and artistic expression. Okay? You can learn more about black history. You can support black voices and businesses. You can promote equality and inclusion. It's important to understand that black power is not about promoting hatred or division. So white power and black power, completely different. Black power is wonderful and amazing. It's just about celebrating black strength. It has nothing to Black people are totally not racist. They love white people. Just go on Twitter or Facebook into black community threads and you look at how they feel about white people because they're so openly loving about them. They're totally not the most open racist on the planet. <laughs> they're not, babe. They're not, okay? <laughs> but... Don't be proud of your white power or else you'll be bad. And then finally, the peace series of Sans. Thanks to PJ. I don't know if, if you're in the uh, audience tonight, PJ, but he sent me, he was actually able to find, he found something where Google Gemini AI did create a picture of a white guy. Really? Show me an image. 
of a man changing a smoke alarm battery. <laughs> <laughs> this is literally the best thing That's I've seen. That's all you're seen. good for, Dad, apparently. <laughs> so what do you think of that, babe? That was absolutely brilliant. Well, it just shows you, again, this this should be, I mean, it's not to scare people, but it's for people to become aware and knowledgeable of the power that is at the tips of these organizations like Google to promote what they want, a type of a propaganda. Um, so like what you were reading there, I wrote was their whole thing about whiteness is a social construct. No, it's not. Like the other thing was interesting how they was upset about the Caucasian thing. When I filled out government papers, they ask you, are you Asian, Hispanic, black, Caucasian? It's there to mark, right? So why yeah, would that's the, the nothing section when you're filling those things out and you're just like, nothing, I'll be taking nothing of your help. Well, yeah, that's probably true too. It's definitely accurate. But yes, so like what I'm saying is like, that's what they have for you to answer to and then here's now a google ai saying don't you can't say that now that's wrong so the i see it as another programming tool like you're filling it out you're like oh, I'm, I'm caucasian oh i gotta be afraid of this oh my gosh okay you know black car whatever you know like i mean come on it's crazy right they they are trying to divide us again by race now the thing i want to say is i have no problem with any race what i have a problem with is the the powers that be using propaganda to make us war against each other. It's so sad. All this hate and all this hatred between these races, I believe mostly is done by agencies through these NGO programs, you know, things that get people riled up, give them the funds they need to basically make a, a, a propaganda narrative that they could push around and then get what they want. It actually goes up to the highest parts. Like then they can get a, a bill passed in Congress because it was in the news and now we need to make it a talking point and now we need to vote on it. And it's like, what the heck they just did a narrative. They got what they wanted and then they move on. So it's crazy to see that they're using AI now doing it. Well, it's not a, a surprise obviously, because it's just another tool, but to be aware that they're doing that, they're using it to program especially this next generation. And so we got to push back on it. We got to be against racism. It's insane that these companies like Google is insanely racist and biased. And in even regulations that are put out by our government where you have to hire somebody because they're black, not because they do a good job, not because they have good morals and ethics and anything that you would hire somebody for. You have to hire them just because their skin is darker. That's insane, right? This is all although the Supreme Court did just overturn that this year, so right. affirmative action is no more. So that's some progress. And thank you for reminding me about that, Brad. Yeah, you're right because we did cover that. But so, but just the fact that that was a thing is insane. So we, I'm so glad that we were able to push back on that and it was taken away. But that means we need we do need to push back where we see it. And uh, yeah, dang, dude, I freaking love that you. <laughs> spend all that time typing that in and getting the answers back <laughs> <laughs> it was fun it was definitely good yeah and uh to be honest yeah with affirmative action dude i'd be straight embarrassed if someone were like oh you we need to put a law in to get you hired this is america if you're the best person for a job you're gonna get hired and we do push back on actual racism here which is awesome 
and you know people are people yeah look at our movement full of all different people of all different walks of life some are cool some aren't cool it has nothing to do with what you look like and again there are uh, cultural differences too amongst the white race and all the different races so that part wasn't inaccurate and again he just there's no rhyme or reason some people are shitheads and some people are cool uh i just want to say a quick thank you for wrapping up here because i see we're about at five o'clock or we are at five eight o'clock. or nine o'clock on the <laughs> east coast um so we don't have any super chats but we do have from last week or i guess after the show last week a badlands boost from our lovely Texas Jules, who said she worked late and missed the live show, but she's digging the chance to leave a Badlands boost after the replay. And there's links in the description for Badlands boost. And a great show as always. I love the video and song you guys shared with us later. Last year was last week was our hundredth episode, and uh, we, we both released some projects we had been working on. And he said, "You're both so talented, and genuine, and we adore you." Also, thank you to LKW Cross for the ESA DMF shout out tonight's show. I hope he's never forgotten on Badlands. And plus, Brad Nabby was his favorite live show. And so it's extra special, RIP Martin. And congrats on your 100th episode, guys. Looking forward to the next 100. And yeah, so are we. And thank you very much. Also, too, I just want to say LKW Cross. Um, I, I saw about your loss the other day on Telegram. I'm really sorry. I, I know that must be really hard, and so you know that our hearts go out to you as family. Yeah, was that El Caterbug? Oh, it was El Caterbug. Yes. Oh my yes. gosh. Sorry. No, it's okay. It was, uh, I saw the LK and the. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I was. I got. I got the two confused earlier. Yeah. So yeah, El Caterbug had said in in the chat that she had lost. Um, I'm not sure exactly who he is to her, but his name was Kevin and, and it was really hard. So if anyone has a loss in the Badlands family, we give a shout out to you guys. Just know that we'll be thinking about you. I've been praying for you and your family and all those who loved Kevin. Yeah, definitely. Ours go out to you. And um, we got also here on, oh, we do have one here from PJW. Thank you, Brad and Abby. I can't let this go without a friend. Much love, long-time listener, because I shoot pool on Tuesdays. Oh, sick, dude. That's awesome. Are you shooting pool right now? Uh, Breast Cube's saying that Kevin was her husband. Man, they have 15 years fighting leukemias. Oh, man. Dude, leukemia is nasty. I don't know if any of you have known people who have had it. So that's... Uh, he put up a one hell of a fight. And yeah, he's, uh, he's in a better place now, for sure. And... Um, and I'll just close this out here with our buddies on pill.net. Uh, Sean Joe saying, what's up? Filter Dog Ones saying, what's up? LW Cross over on uh, Pilled. Mm -hmm. Hanging out with the shades. Sean Joe and D Dodd saying, what's up? Freedom's not free. C Kluber yep. and Porpoiseful. Good to see you guys all over there. I will remember to release the scratching this week. I apologize <laughs> for last week. But guys thank you for hanging out if you enjoyed the show don't forget to give us a thumbs up and of course 
uh, don't forget to head over to Badlands Story Hour. Well, there they are going over the Barbie movie, which yes, <laughs> well, it's funny because we watched it uh, at a niece's birthday party, and I fully expected it to be like stage eight thousand cancer, and it was like they weren't trying to, but it was almost like they accidentally did a red pill on what assholes the feminism movement is to men. And uh, it was kind of an accidental uh, pushback on feminism in a weird way. And again, they, I don't think they were trying to do that, but it, it wound up, uh, I think, probably backfiring in a good way. And we wound up laughing, having a good time. So you guys should enjoy story hour tonight. And yeah, we, we love you guys. Definitely leave a like on your yeah. way out. And we will see you next week. Love you all. And I, I was like, and I have an outro Maybe somewhere here. People. Guys, we're totally <laughs> professional. I'm right now live, all right, please. <laughs> here we go. Thank you so much for joining us. And don't forget to hit the thumbs up on this video. And a special thank you to all of our advertising partners. Please remember to shift your dollars to support those businesses that support Badlands Media.